Hey, what's up? My name is Stephen, and I lead Avenue Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, along with my wife and an incredible team. We really have a desire to see people experience God's unconditional love, find their true identity in Christ, and live out their purpose. And we would love to connect with you. You can find us on all social media platforms simply by searching Our Avenue Church. You can also check us out online by going to OurAvenueChurch.com. We really pray that something in this message inspires and equips you to experience the way of life you were created to live in Christ. Enjoy. continue with the series, Inspired, getting into the Word of God. How are you guys doing with that? We jumping in a little bit more? Hopefully you're inspired and challenged to uh, study God's Word. We're going to get real practical today, super practical, just nuts and bolts kind of things. Uh, there was uh, a coach way back in the day, in, in, in the day, his name was John Wooden. Anyone ever heard of him? Um, the winningest coach in NCAA, winningest, did I say that right? Winning, no, I can't say it. They won, like he won more games than anybody else in the NCAA basketball. Um, won more championships than any other coach. And he started every um, season, the very first practice before he did anything, before they did any sprints, before they ran over any plays or drills. Do you know what the very first thing he taught his players every year? what to do, not to pray, to put on socks, socks, what, socks, think of Allen Iverson, we're talking about practice, right, we're talking about socks, every year, first practice, he would teach his players how to put on socks, because that is the most basic thing, and they didn't have shoes like what we have today, right, he had to put on socks, because if you don't put on your socks right, you get blisters, then he was like, make sure you tie your shoes right because if you don't double tie your shoes, they come undone during the game and it wastes time. It causes energies, rolling ankles. And so he takes the beginning of every season and he talks about socks. And I imagine some of the seniors are like, we talk, like I know how to put on socks, coach. But here's what happens is we get in a rush with things. We get used to doing things and we create bad habits that aren't necessarily helpful. And so today we're going to get really, really practical on how to spend time reading God's word. That's why you've got the sheets of paper in your seat. And so we're actually gonna do something that's maybe a little unconventional towards the end of service. We're gonna take 12 minutes and I'm gonna stop preaching and you're gonna read. And it's gonna be really awkward. So can I just address that from the beginning? Like how many of you know, like when you go into something and it's gonna be awkward, it's good to know that it's gonna be awkward so you can prepare yourself for it. But, but Towards the end of service, we're going to take 12 minutes and we're going to read scripture and then you're going to share it with those that are around you. Oh my gosh, how many of you are terrified now? I probably shouldn't have told you that at the beginning of my sermon because now you're not going to hear anything that I say. <laughs> Let's just get to the end. Dear Jesus, make me a bird so I can fly far, far away from here, right? right? That's, that's what you're thinking right now. But I promise you, guys, if we can get this down, if we can put on our socks correctly, we're going to be champions, right? We're going to be champions, not just within the church world, but I believe within culture, and culture needs that. So let's go to Matthew chapter 7. Um, we read this verse last week, and it says, Anyone who listens to my teachings and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against the house, the house will not collapse because it is built on solid rock. 
And then Matthew 7, verse 26 says, but anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is not wise, but they are what? Foolish. It says they are foolish like a person who comes, who builds the house on sand. And when the rain and the floods come and the winds beat against the house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. And Jesus is saying that as we read God's word and listen to God's word and apply it to our life, it is, we are building the foundation of our house, our house being our life. We sing about, we are building our, our life on a firm foundation. Um, Went on a missions trip, and it's been like 2009, so 14 years ago. The first time went out of the country on a missions trip, we went to Honduras and flew into Tegucigalpa Airport in Honduras, which I found out after I'm taking nine teenagers there that it's the most dangerous capital city in this hemisphere, and it's the shortest international runway in the world. And we land in Tegucigalpa, and then we go up into the mountain country of Honduras, and, and part of our work there was to um, put floors in the houses of people who were in this community called Hunkio, and their houses were about the size of our foyer, and you had four or five people that would be living in that house with mattresses on the floor, and they didn't have dressers. Most of their clothes were in garbage bags, and you know, I was thinking, like, man, it's like just in piles here and there. And now sometimes even like in America, I find like my clothes are in piles, right? Just so much work to do. But what we had to do is part of our job was to go in and put concrete floors in these houses so that they would not have issues with fleas and mites and bugs because they're sleeping on the floor. And these houses were up on hills and down dirt roads. And so there was no concrete truck coming. No one's coming. You guys have heard that on Instagram, right? No one's coming. There was no concrete truck. We were the concrete truck. And so what we would do, there was no rebar. What we would do is we would take these giant rocks and we would take them into these houses and then we would take little hammers and big hammers and we would break these giant rocks into little rocks. We were making gravel. I was paying an organization to send me to a third world country to make gravel, right? And so we would spread the gravel out on the ground, and then we would take five-gallon buckets of sand, five-gallon buckets of water, and then we would take concrete mix. It wasn't quickcrete like what we have here, where it's one bag and it's everything. We were having to get the right ratio of sand to concrete to water, and there was no wheelbarrow. Everything was done with five-gallon buckets, and we mixed the concrete on the ground and, and made like this little volcano with a dip in the middle, and then we would take everything from the outside and mix it to the inside in the water, and we're doing this, and we did like seven houses, like one a day. And it was backbreaking work. It wasn't pretty, but we were giving them a firm foundation. And in America, it's real easy. We can just bring in a concrete truck. They're building a bridge over by my house on the other side of town. And it seems like it's taken forever, but they're bringing in these concrete trucks. That's how the world likes to do things is quickly. But the way the kingdom works is it's slowly. And it can be work sometimes. They're doing a study and one last thing on concrete. I did a lot of research on concrete. Um, they're doing a study now on the comparison between the bricks and the concrete that was used in Roman times because some of those buildings are still standing. Like over 2,000 years ago, these massive buildings and roadways were still standing. And, and they're finding out that, that the mixture that they used with this, with this lime phosphate 
that was essentially like volcanic ash, the clumps in it, there would be clumps in it. And as it rained, and after these buildings and roads were built, these clumps would dissolve and fill in the cracks of the bricks that were there, making it even harder. So think about Roman concrete has lasted over 2,000 years. Modern day concrete lasts about 50 years. Not long, not long at all. And when you think about how we build our life's foundation, we can build it on modern wisdom. And if we look at modern wisdom, it changes, used to be like every 50 years or so, but now culture and modern wisdom, what they say is the wisdom for culture today, guys, it's changing all the time. But as a church and as believers, what you and I have to do, we have to build our lives on a foundation that has lasted over 2,000 years. And that when the storms come and the rains come, the, the cracks don't remain, but there's enough in this when we get it in our life that it dissolves and fills in all the cracked places and makes our heart stronger, makes our life stronger. And so we're going to get practical and give you guys um, some sand, some concrete, a five-gallon bucket, some shovels, so to speak, that you can use in your everyday reading of God's word so that your foundation is strong. Can we, can we just get practical today? And so obviously when we're looking at tools, the first thing that you need is a Bible, been challenging you guys to bring your Bible every week in this series, and really it shouldn't just be this series. It should be any time you come to church. I know the uh, YouVersion Bible app is incredible, and it's super convenient, but I've said it like that's everyone's Bible. Get your Bible that you know where the pages are. You know where your highlights and underlines are, but Paul says this. It says, 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is inspired by God and useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our life. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. And I almost brought it, but I didn't want, I didn't want to like damage it. I've got my great grandmother's, I got it out last night, my great grandmother's giant heirloom family Bible. If you guys seen those, like it can, it can like um, be used as a weapon. Like you could really beat some, like it's, it's something you would Bible bash somebody with. Um, and like when they're breaking into your house, right? I don't need a Smith and Wesson. I got my mother's Bible, like my grandmother's Bible. And, and when you read it, it's like old King James. And for some of us, that's our first experience with, with the Bible is we open it up and we can't understand it. There's all these these and thou's and does saith the Lord's and all that. And there's nothing wrong with that. One of our teenagers, when we were youth pastors, his mother had prayed while he was in the womb that he would have a joy for God's word. And she read the King James Version to him. This was a middle child. Spencer was his name. And... Uh, when he was in youth group, he was the only teenager in our youth group that carried a King James Version Bible, the only one, but that's the one he could understand. And so let me just encourage you, get a Bible that you understand. You're like, Pastor Stephen, there's so many translations. Anybody, right? Like, where do I start? Why are there so many different translations of the Bible? There are different processes and ways of translating the Bible. Depending on what transcript they used, was it Hebrew, was it Greek, was it Greek translated from Hebrew, and then modern day language has changed and is changing. 
And so when you're looking at these translations, there are translations that, that are called word-for-word -word translations, and that's where they take a sentence from a transcript um, and they translate it word for word for word the entire sentence. And so a lot of times that's like your King James Version, that's your ESV, that's your New American Standard Bible, and it's word for word. But then there's also translations that are called thought for thought. And that's where they take the whole sentence. And instead of just taking a word for word for word, they take all the words and say, okay, what is the writer trying to get us to understand? And they translate the whole thought. That's the New Living Translation. That's what I use most of the time, the New International Version um, or the New Century Version. And then there's also um, this, it's really not even a translation. It's more of a paraphrase, and that is the Message Bible. The Message Bible, really, the, the guy who wrote it just took a Bible and read it and said, okay, I'm going to paraphrase what I think it's saying so it's easier for people to understand. I believe it's God-inspired, but it's not like academically proven, right? And we have to understand that language changes over time. And there are versions that are out now that weren't out when I first became a Christian. And, you know, there will continually be versions that come out. But the ultimate goal is for you to get a Bible that is easy to understand, all right? Um, the other tool that we need. The other tool that we need is actually, it's, it's kind of a combination. You need a pen and a journal, a pen and a journal, a pen and a journal to be able to write things down. This is, this is what um, Jeremiah says. This is, this is the word of the Lord that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. This is what the Lord says. Write in a book all the words that I have spoken over you. Can I let you know that it's okay to underline, to highlight, to write notes in your Bible. Maybe if you felt like that's sacrilegious or blasphemous, it's completely okay. Like my kids have known that since the very beginning. They see me highlighting and underlining. And then I've even got a couple of Bibles for when they were toddlers and I left it out. It's got some love marks on the inside, <laughs> right? Some, some smiley faces and some circles and some scribbles that apparently they told me when they were two and three that said, I love you, dad, right? But I'm sure that's the um, more translation of the Bible. But get a pen and a paper and underline what you read when the Holy Spirit um, shares something with you. And then also get, get a journal. I brought some of my old ones. And I want to encourage you, when you come on a Sunday morning, uh, bring something to take notes with. Uh, one of my mentors said note takers um, are history makers, right? Note takers are history makers. Um, and you'd be surprised what God speaks to you in a message on a Sunday morning may not be for you then, but might be for you sometime in your future. And so like going back, like I, I will go out every you know, year or so and just go back through these. And I found this one from when I was a junior, senior in college. Some of you weren't even alive then. It's really like sad to think that, that I'm getting that age. And just going through and reading some of the sermons, um, this is from 521-2000. Some of you, I think, might have been born. Who was born? Who, who was not born then? Don't raise your hand. I don't want to know. <laughs> right? Um, this is, this is what God wants in his house. And this was my pastor. He says, God wants in his house prayer, people, 
And then when people come and they pray, the power of God is in the house. And when the power of God's in the house, praise needs to be in the house. You guys want to know why I'm always doing alliteration? That's all my pastor did. I'll give you easy handles. And then also in this is June, um, and I'll just share some of this, June, um, June 25th, 2000. Um, this was the day that I felt my wife and I were called to ministry. It says, on this day, God confirmed my place in his ministry, what I've known to be true, that Jen and I are called together with God to have a three-chord ministry. God confirmed his anointing in our lives and our relationships, and it's time that we step into ministry for the work of the Lord. Isaiah 61 says that I'm anointed to preach the good news to the poor. I'm sent to bind the brokenhearted, proclaim freedom for the captives. And really, I did this last night, so I didn't think I would cry tonight or cry today, but... It says, who's more brokenhearted than teenagers? Um, today we'll begin our journey in ministry. The next year we were married, 2002, we moved, 2004, we moved, 2012, we moved, 2019, we moved. Every summer, pretty much after this, God moved us in another season of ministry. But I wrote that down in my quiet time as God was speaking to me. And I've got others, and so I want to encourage you, if you don't have a journal where you're writing down what the Lord speaks to you in, you're missing out treasures and you're missing out things that can sustain you in your future. And so make sure that you get a pen, make sure that you get a, a journal. As a matter of fact, in the Old Testament, it says that every king should have to hand write for themselves a personal copy of the law, a personal copy of scripture. So as you're writing down, um, you know, most statistics say that we forget 75% of what we hear. That's a lot. And it's real encouraging as a pastor to know I put in all this work and you're only going to remember about 25% of it. And that's for those of you who stay awake, um, right? <laughs> but what you also need, we get a Bible, a pen and notebook. If you have nothing else, that is a great start. But then there's also other resources just to highlight, just a few real quick. Um, study Bibles, they're a lot thicker than this, but they have um, historical context and commentary. Then there's a concordance but really, we just use Google now. And a concordance is just something where you can put in a keyword and you want to know what, what all the scriptures say about fear or anxiety or about lust. Or you can just find all the scriptures. And so maybe you're struggling with some of those things. Like, what does God say about finances? What does God say about money? What does God say about peace? And then you can look up all the scriptures that go with that. Um, if you Like, I struggle with English, but if you want to get a language dictionary and know what the original Hebrew and Greek words say, and because they mean something a little bit different. The translation's not always 100%. And in the era of the church today, we have more resources through the internet than I believe previous apostles and disciples could ever imagine, right? Through BibleGateway.com, through YouVersion, through Bible Hub, through Blue Letter Bible, all these different Bible studies. And, and BibleHub.com is really cool. You can put in the verse and it shows you what every translation would sound like and would read like. Um, BibleGateway.com just introduced this new resource. I'm giving you things to fill your pantry for $54 a month. It's not an infomercial, but for $54 a month, you get access to the digital versions of like dozens of study Bibles, dozens of commentary, dozens of reference Bible to take your Bible reading to just a little bit deeper level, $54 a year. Can we spare that, right? So Bible, pen and paper, and some resources. And then you have to have a time and a place. 
um, a time and a place. Psalm 143, verse 8 says, Let me hear of your unfailing love each morning, for I'm trusting you. Show me where to walk. I give myself to you. I know not everyone's a morning person, right? We've talked about this in our guy's small group last night, not, or last week. Not everyone's a morning person. But if you can start your day with the word of God before Instagram, before Facebook, before your email, before a text message, hearing of God's unfailing love, it will direct your path for the day. And it doesn't have to be 30 minutes. It doesn't have to be an hour. But if you can get your nose and your eyes into the word of God in the morning before your day starts, it will direct the rest of your day. So pick a time. If the morning doesn't work, lunch break. Before you go to bed, find a time and then find a place. For me, it's not the couch. For me, it's not a comfy chair because my body's like, ah, this is nice. Let's take a nap. I was like, no, I got to read the Bible. So I'm praying, God, help me stay awake so I can read the Bible. Jesus says the flesh or the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. My flesh is weak when I sit down on the couch. I'm out. So I keep my Bible out on my desk. I keep it on a table. My Bible stays open so that I can stop in and I can read. I'm trying to get through the Bible in a year. I haven't done it in probably five or six years, just to be completely honest. You think as a pastor, you read the Bible through every year. I love to. I would love to, but it's been about five or six years. I normally get till about February and I'm five or six days behind. Then March comes and we get like 10 days behind. And then like April comes and I'm a month behind. I'm like, I'll try again next year. I'm still reading my Bible, but I'm not getting through it. So guys, I'm like seven days ahead already. Let's go. Like, I'm just like, I'm keeping my Bible open. And I'm not saying that to brag. I'm saying that for accountability to me because now the Holy Spirit is like, remember what you told your church? You got to get on it. So I keep my Bible open <laughs> at my desk I keep my Bible open at my desk at a day so I can just sit down and start reading. And also, parents, life hack, so my kids see my Bible open. So that they see where I'm reading. Because a lot of things when we're parenting are not taught, but they're caught, right? We have to keep that in mind. So set your place, set your time, time and place. And then we have to have a plan. We have to have a plan, and this is what's in your seat. We have to have a plan um, the oldest discipleship plan in the world is this plan called SOAP. And it's not about taking a bath, but it's scripture, observation, application, and prayer. Scripture, observation, application, and prayer. And so scripture, we'll go through these real quick because you're about to put them in practice. Um, whatever you've picked to read that day, whatever your Bible plan is, read through it until God stops you. <laughs> Until God stop you, read, keep reading or rereading until God stops you. And what does that mean? What do you mean God's stopping me? It means like a word, a thought, a verse catches your attention. And when that happens, you underline it and then you write it. And don't try to write a whole chapter. Write one or two, three at the most verses. Write them down. Whatever caught your attention so that you have it in your journal, so that you remember it, so that you can think about it. And then the observation is, is what are you seeing? And I put some questions. Um, they'll be on the screen, but also on, on the handout that I gave you. Who and to? Um, who's talking and who are they talking to? When you're reading this passage, who's talking? Who's writing? Who are they writing to? What's happening? What's taking place? 
You know, especially when we're looking at the history books in the Old Testament, like what's taking place, what's being said. And then these last two questions I, like, I love to get to is, is what caught my attention and what's the truth there? What caught my attention and what's the truth there? So scripture, observation, and then all of that is in vain if there is no application. And we talked about that last week, that what can we do to put into practice what we just read? And the question I love comes from this book, Wayne Cordero. It's the divine mentor. It says, how will I live differently because of what God just said to me? How will I live differently because of what God just said to me? See, church, sometimes we think God has already spoken, but when we sit down and we open up his word, God is speaking. And when that scripture jumps out to you and there's truth that comes to you and there's an application that comes with it, God is asking you to live differently somehow. What is that? And it doesn't have to be a multitude of things. What is this one thing that he's asking you to live differently? And then prayer. The P in soap is prayer. And just write out a prayer. Say a prayer. God, I need you to. And then we stand on the word that says every prayer that is said, he answers. A lot of times we think that, that all answered prayers are only yes prayers, but I'm finding out in my life, the older I get, most answered prayers are no and not right now. There's very few yeses, right? A lot of times it's no and not right now. And so we move beyond that. A lot of times it stops with one P, but I want to add a second one that we need to add into this, and that's people. You need people involved for two reasons. One, you need them speaking into your life what God has shared with them because Sometimes God will speak to people around us and give them the challenge to speak that into us, or God has given us a word from his scripture to share with someone else, that we are to encourage, spur one another on. That's why like small groups are so important. Like in our guys' small group, Burgers, Wings, and Wisdom, we're talking about building habits into our life that can help make us successful. And it's, it's simple stuff, but there's also some godly principles that are there, but we're sharing with each other where we struggle, hitting the snooze button, right, guys? Did we do better this week, right? No snooze button, right? Um, making the hard right, sharing that conversation with people. And so we soap and then we share, we soap, and then we share. We read scripture, we pick out observations, we have an application, we pray, and then we share it with people. And so now, you're gonna have an opportunity to put on your socks. You're gonna have an opportunity to do this. So at your seat, there should have been, and again, I told you this is gonna be awkward, but we're gonna take 12 minutes, okay? We're gonna break it in to different um, increments, we're going to do three minutes of you reading the passage that I gave you, and then we're going to take three minutes of you writing out an observation and an application, okay? And then we're going to take three minutes for you to just share with people around you, introduce yourself with what God shared. So here's, we'll break it up. I'll give you three minutes. And then we'll stop, we'll pause, let you take a breath, and we'll give you another three minutes, and then we'll pause, and then we'll give you another three minutes. Does that make sense? All right, this is non-conventional in a larger group setting, 
But the table's set, and I want to give you guys a word not just for Sunday morning, but for Monday through Saturday, okay? So they're going to just play some music for about three minutes. There's going to be a moving background, and in three, two, one, read Matthew 6. And then here's what you're going to do for the next three minutes. You guys good? We good? Take a deep breath. We good? For the next three minutes, I want us to work on the observation and the application. Like, what is God showing you? Write the scripture out. What is God showing you? And what is he asking you to do with what he's just said to you? Three more minutes and three, two, one. Let's go.
All right. Now it's time for the fun part that everyone's looking forward to. We're going to, we've soaped. You've read scripture. You've written some observation and application. Some of you are still writing. That's, that's fine. But here's what we're going to do now. We're going to take another step and we're going to share. Um, completely unconventional, but I want for the next three minutes, someone behind you, in front of you, beside you, introduce yourself and say, hey, this is the verse that I underlined and this is what I took away from it. You guys ready? Good. Take a deep breath. Three, two, one. Share for three minutes. Let's go.
All right, all right, all right. You guys went four and a half minutes. Let's go. You were terrified of three, and I believe you probably could have kept going another four or five minutes, right? It's like, I'm just getting started. You didn't realize. Listen. Yeah, can we just, we just run in? We'll just make them wait outside. Come on. Now, listen. Um, this is what small groups are like. This is what small groups are like. This is, you know, man. I didn't want, like, I have a hard time interrupting people. And, like, as a pastor and the one I've, God's called to, like, look over you guys, this was one of the most incredible experiences I've had in the two years doing this. That wasn't the plan, <laughs> right? My plan was to get you guys to understand that it's easier than what we think it is sometimes to read and then even to share. And, like, the whole um, premise of this series um, the ultimate goal of, of you reading the Bible is not to get you in the Word of God. Wait, I thought that you want us to read it. Yeah, the, the goal of all of this is to get the Word of God in you. Um, and that as you are reading um, God's Word, it's not just words on a page, but it is spirit, Jesus says, and it is life, it is breath, and it is life. And when we take it in, it becomes a part of us. And we don't want it just to be in you, um, in, in your head. We don't want it just to be in your mind. That's just knowledge, right? We don't want it just to be in your head. We don't want it just to be, to be knowledge, to be a part of you. That's, that's just information, you can get information through Google. You can get information. And, and we don't just want it to be in your heart. Like that's inspiration, right? That's, that's emotion. It gets caught up. And then when it gets into your spirit, there's some, like that's transformation. But guys, here's, here's what I want. I want it to be in your life. Because this is when the word becomes incarnated again. John 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, the Word was God. But then it says in John, it goes on, it says, and the Word became flesh and moved in to our neighborhood. When we get in the Word of God and the Word of God gets in us, the Word of God becomes incarnated, and we carry that Word with us into our families, into our relationship, into our workplace, and into the community so that the light of the word of God can be shed. And so you've seen by this, 12 minutes, 12 minutes to read, to observe, to apply, to share, how much energy that brought to you and your spirit in this room, even in just 12 minutes. Would you guys agree? Now, what if we took this and it was a daily practice? of getting in God's word. And then it was a weekly practice of coming together in worship, but then also being in a small group and sharing stories like this. That's the foundation I want this church built on. And that's the foundation I want your life built on. Not modern culture, wisdom and tradition, but on a foundation that has stood the test of time, thousands of years, amen. Let me pray for us. Father, I just come to you this morning and I thank you so much for this incredible time. Um, it's different than what most Sundays look like, but God, we trust you with it. We trust that you are moving in hearts, that you are moving in lives, that even these few verses that we've read today 
um, are taking root in our hearts, God. Um, God, for some here today, this was a completely new experience. God, for some, this was something that maybe they haven't done in a long time. And I pray that it's just like a refreshing in their life, a renewing in their life. God, that when we sit down and we open your word, um, we're having an interaction, not just with a book, not just with pages, but we're having an interaction with you as you speak into our life, as you put breath in our life, in our lungs, your spirit moves. So God, I just pray just a healthy conviction over first and foremost me because God I know that my people will never go places that that I don't personally but God that us as a congregation that we would have a conviction just to get into your word and build a firm foundation on that and God if there's anyone here today that does not have a relationship with you God I pray they do not leave here without saying Jesus I give you my life It's so much more than just quiet times and church services. You want to do so much more in our life. God, that takes us not just turning from our ways and our sins and our shame, but it takes turning to you first and allowing you to take care of our mess. That your word says that all those who believe in their heart and confess with their mouth that Christ is Lord shall be saved. And that when we do that, your word says that all those who do that, that we are a new creation, God, that our past is covered and our future is paved with a new path. God, that simply starts with simply saying, Jesus, I give you my life. It's not all that's going to be said, but it's the start. So God, those that are making those commitments today, let them know that they are loved not just by us, but by you. They are forgiven by you that you have purposed them with life. And it's in Jesus' name we pray and everyone says, amen, amen. Come on, let's stand up together.